Ooh, how are we doing this morning? Man, I feel the Lord's presence in the house. It's good to see your faces out there. We've got a lot going on in the holiday season, man, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve. We will have kids here, but I love coming and lighting candles and singing. One of my favorite things to do with carols and candles. Matthew chapter 2. Uh, I'm in a series here called Hero Worship. Christmas time is about worship. It's about shepherds watching their flocks and angels uh, singing. It's about wise men worshiping their Savior. But, you know, Christmas is better with snow. That's just my opinion on it. And uh, the forecast says that it's not going to snow. But I was reminded this week not to worry because it will snow in like, you know, June in Montana. It'll get to us (laughs) better late than never. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm not praying for it, Lonnie. All right. Matthew chapter 2. I want to read verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to (laughs) pray. Here's what the Bible says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For We have seen a star in the east and we have come to worship him. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you uh, for the spirit of the Lord that's present and alive in worship. I pray uh, that we would be able to give our hearts to you this morning fully with assurance that we would enter your presence and hear your word today. And I thank you for a, a group of people eager to hear your will and your word today. We pray that in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Now, who remembers the go-go 90s? I think CNN coined that phrase. Like the 90s are called the go-go 90s. You know, it's a busy time. And now what I remember about the 90s, I, I started transitioning from like children's church into like big church as we called it. And at that time, the church was going through sort of like uh, what we call a worship war. Uh, They went kind of like from the era of hymns and hymnals into what we categorize as like modern worship today, which was hard for, you know, a lot of people because they're used to hymns and and they kind of were familiar with that. And, And, you know, I do like the modern contemporary style that we have in worship. It speaks to the generation that we're in, but it is fair to say that we may miss out on some doctrine. I mean, some of those hymns are so rich with doctrine and, and truth and, and beautiful things that they convey. There's a sacredness to them that I think is lost in so much of the modern worship. But what it made me realize is the, the warfare that surrounds worship. There, there's a warfare around it. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning is the, the spiritual warfare around worship. There are worship wars that take place. Like it or not, Satan hates your worship. Now, I'll give you my experience in church. Uh, There's warfare in two particular areas. The first area would be like around the prayer ministry. Because, you know, you get people praying, and there's a prophetic nature to prayer, so you might see something. And maybe you don't know how to interpret it properly, or you misunderstand it. And so sometimes people don't fully grasp what they're praying for can create problems and confusion. And there's a warfare that's around the worship ministry. And that's because, you know, they, they hold the hearts of the people for half the service. I mean, when, when worship is taking place, it's like, that, that's a big part of it. And I would say that worship might be the most criticized uh, compartment in church. In the natural, you know, you've got people who maybe it's a style thing or the genre. Uh, in the spiritual, though, there's something that agitates haters when people really do worship. And I point to the parable Jesus used in Matthew chapter 13. He talked about the parable of the wheats and the tares. You know, a tare, it looks like wheat, but it's not. It's like a weed that grows up in a field. And whenever the wind is blowing and you see wheat will kind of bend over and bow in the wind, but a tare 
will stick straight up. And it's the same thing in church when the Spirit of the Lord's moving. When, when worship is really taking place, you can see people who love to worship, but you always kind of spot a terror who's a little bit like, I don't know. And you can kind of sense that, that, that frustration that takes place. So there is a warfare that it surrounds worship. And I wanted to highlight some of these levels. I like going through these you know, passages of scripture here at this time of year, because we just read about the wise men and they came in verse number three, Matthew chapter two, look at verse three, the wise men came and they wanted to worship the king. But when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Someone say troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him. Here's the first thought I want to highlight for you. Worship is something that troubles the devil. It bothers him. It, it annoys him. It, it's something that he uh, is bothered by. Now, theologians assert that Satan was named Lucifer. We get that from the book of Ezekiel. And he was called, the Bible says cherub. And he's thought to have been the worship leader of heaven. Uh, you know, the, the Bible says in the King James translation, Ezekiel 28, that in his being, there was like uh, organs and pipes that he may have been a musical being. So they have the idea that he was this beautiful creation, a worship leader. And that's why he hates it, because it reminds him of what he had. Now, Satan's not the only one troubled, because you, you're dealing with is this maniacal king, Herod. King Herod Antipias was an egomaniac, uh, and he was disturbed, troubled. The word means he was shaken. He, he, he took this personally as an affront upon him. Because the idea was, well, if there's another king coming, I could lose my kingdom here. And he didn't want to be dispossessed. He didn't want to be disposed of that. So Herod's a dictator, like, like Stalin, like Hitler. And uh, he would go on in this chapter to murder innocent children. I mean, it's a horrible story it took place. And, you know, it says here that all of Jerusalem was troubled. That's a very interesting detail. You know, leadership has ramifications especially when people are put in positions of power in the government. You know, government policies have ramifications, like abortion. Uh, they, 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 I mean, whether it's drilling for oil and your oil prices go up, they have ramifications. I, I was kind of amused this week because, you know, Jill Biden put a tweet out and it had to do with, uh, you know, that all, all the, you know, uh, transgender people dancing, tap dancing in the White House. And it created quite a stir on social media. I mean, it was very interesting to watch how people perceive that. What, 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 how far we have come in, in these days that we live. You know, worship is something that troubles the devil. Why is that? Because when you worship God, it takes away Satan's power. Uh, you know, I like to surrender to the Lord with uplifted hands. Because when we are weak, that's when the Lord is strong. See, the battle belongs to the Lord. This is where he starts getting involved in some of the mess that you might have. Now, when I don't know what to do about situations in life, and that happens to me frequently, I'm not sure what to do, I do two things. I, I will just spend time with the Lord alone praying. And a lot of times, the best thing I can do is just bless him, just worship him, just love on him, just, just extol my praises to him and watch as he intervenes and works situations out in my life. When you worship God, what it does is it puts your focus back on him. Satan is a liar, and he likes to distract you with his lies. Now, I have to fight distraction when I worship the Lord. I, I might be here, and, and maybe my heart's not fully engaged in worship. And a lot of times what's going on is I've just got my own personal problems. I've got me in my mind. I've got my feelings. And it might be, you know, what's going on later today, and... and 
it, it might be in the wintertime, I'm thinking about summer, and in the summertime, I'm still thinking about summer. <laughs> you know, th- things you've got going on. But I, a lot of times, I, I've just got to get those distractions out. Now, we said last week that we're on the Lord, spirit and truth. There, there's something about the truth that allows you to focus on the Lord. It's something about his word. When I start thinking about how faithful God has been, when I start thinking about how good God is, when I start just thinking about how beautiful God is, how glorious he is in nature, the excellence of who he is, if I can just get my mind focused off of me, my feelings, my problems, and onto where he is, things start coming into alignment. And, and how God deserves my very best when I'm here. It deserves my best. You know, worship is like a form of spiritual warfare. And we see this in the story of King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. They were going to go into a battle. And it says that he sent the praise team, the worship people. He sent people in there to worship before the battle. And the Bible says the Lord sent ambushments ahead of them. Like he, he literally got in the way and fought their battles. So instead of me swinging at somebody, I just need to bless the Lord. That's what we're saying today. I want to bless the Lord. When I think about you know, spiritual warfare... I think about the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, is what gives us access into his presence. That blood made a way for you and me to be able to come into his presence. You know, the thing about blood is so interesting is it's fighting a battle in your body. It fights the battle of disease. It keeps you pure and your body healthy. Well, in the same way, the blood of Jesus is fighting all kinds of spiritual diseases, bitterness and jealousy and envy and your frustration, your anger, and it's at work. And you get to overcome through the blood of Jesus. That, that's the beautiful thing about our, our access into his presence. It's through his blood. It's a, form of, it's a form of warfare. You know, when we worship God, we come into a corporate unity. It solidifies us. This is how you fend off the devil. Because, you know, our, our worship is something that builds a defensive barrier. And it insulates us from the sideswipes of the devil. When the presence of God is in a place, the ministry becomes very easy. When the presence of God is in a place, it's easy to preach. It's easy to love on people. It's easy to, you know, to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. You can see fruit take place. So if you want to trouble the devil, you're going to have to get loud. You're going to have to get alone. You're going to have to spend some time in God's presence, just worshiping him, and it will bother him. Does that sound good to you? Would you like to bother the devil for all the nonsense and lies? Yeah, just get along with him. Just, just go worship the king. It, it'll, it'll make him mad. Now, I want to move forward in the Christmas story. I want to move forward. I'll, I'll spend some time here next week. But I want to go to Matthew chapter 4. <laughs> if you'd go over there with me. Matthew chapter 4. Second level of warfare here. This is when the devil, it says, took Jesus on a high mountain. This is called the Mount of Temptation. It says Satan in Matthew 4 verse 8 showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these things, Satan said this to Jesus, I'm going to give these to you if you will fall down and worship me. And I like what Jesus said to him. He said, away with you, Satan. Messing with you. It's written. Now, the little, little nugget right here. If the devil is ever in your mind messing with you, what you got to do is quote the Bible back at him. He didn't like to be troubled with worship, but he also hates it when you quote the scriptures at him. That's what Jesus did. He took the word of the Lord. He's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So here's what we've got to say about this thought. Satan is after your worship. It troubles him, but he wants it. He craves it. He desires it. 
He wants to be like God, man. He, he wants to be worshipped. This took place on this thing called the Mount of Temptation. And you know, I want to just point out something. The Lord will test us. Book of Job, he tests us at every moment. He's testing you. He wants to see what's in your heart, your integrity. And, and he, 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 he will put you in positions where you're tested. But Satan is the tempter. James chapter 1 says that, that God does not tempt us with evil. Satan is the one who tempts us. This was a temptation for Jesus. It's interesting. It says, Satan said this, all these things I will give you if you worship me. And, you know, people say, well, they weren't hers to give. Oh, but, but they were. When Adam sinned in the garden, Satan became what the book of Ephesians calls the God of this world. And what Jesus saw in that moment when he showed him the kingdoms of the world, he saw the opulence of the Roman Empire, the hanging gardens of Babylon. He saw the pyramids of Egypt. And in that moment, maybe he was tempted to think, if I was in control of that, I wouldn't even have to go to the cross. This was a temptation for him to deal with. Worship troubles Satan because he's after your worship. These things I'll give you if you'll worship me. What Satan really wants is your surrender. I, I like how 2 Timothy chapter 2 says it. There are some people who are taken captive by the devil to do his will. He's after your will. You know that the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 says, By whom a person is overcome, they're brought into bondage. And if he can take your will from you, he can control your life. Your will will determine the course that your life takes. And what Satan wants to do, he wants you to surrender your will to him. He wants you to, to just weaken that so that he can push you and push you and, and try to influence your will for unrighteousness and wickedness. Now, the thing about if you're a born-again Christian, you cannot be possessed by the devil. You can't be in a place where he's totally taken you over. If you really are a Christian and belong to the Lord, but... You can be oppressed. And the Greek word in the New Testament is the word demonized. You, you can be harassed by him. It can be a mental and emotional torment that is designed to take your will and push. It's designed to steal your strength from you. That's what worship is. It's the place you give the Lord your strength. But Satan wants that. He wants that surrender from you. He wants your strength. He wants your energy. He, it's not like he wants your vigor. Do you know it takes worship to show up and bless the Lord? It's not like a passive exercise. I mean, if you, and listen, if you've ever been on a worship team, you know you, you, know you got to bring it. you got to bring the energy with you. Because when, when you get fired up, it, it's like it releases an energy in the house of the Lord. And there are days I had to laugh about this because I, I said this last week. There's moments in time when you don't always feel like being at church. Did you know that? That's a newsflash to some of you. And I was laughing because even the praise and worship team feels that way sometimes. The pastor feels that way. The people in the kids' department feel that way. It's called a discipline, all right? So if I'm here and I'm like, I don't really want to be here, sometimes I got to dig deep. I got to focus on the Lord. And if I'll put the effort into saying, Lord, I'm putting you first, guess what happens? Ooh, he shows up, man. He'll be right there to help you. His grace will be with you. He'll be in moments when you need it. And, and you know what? That isn't just at church. That happens in your home life. When you're having devotions. You ever have devotions? You don't feel like having devotions? Well, guess what? If I get a cup of coffee and get that brain going, <laughs> I can focus on the Lord. I put that effort into it, and he shows up in moments even when I don't feel like it. I'll tell you what Satan's really after. It's, it's a surrender. It's a strength. But what he really wants is your sound. So your voice is carrying authority. Your words are carrying weight. Death and life 
are in the power of your tongue. So when you worship God, it creates a sound. Think about how, you know, the Lord came to Adam and, and Eve in the garden. And they heard the sound of him coming. There's something sacred about that sound. You know, it, it's, it's music that triggers your emotions. And, uh, you know, I had to laugh because if, if I hear songs from the 90s, from the go-go 90s, if I hear a little Metallica, I go back in time. Uh, I, I, I go back to where I was in high school. I start thinking about, you know, so I was listening to uh, the Counting Crows this week, some from the 1990s. It had me in my mind. I, I went back in time. <laughs> Sometimes it'll mess with you. Sometimes, though, it'll propel you forward. You know, on Sundays, when I come to church, I like to have a little bounce. I like to celebrate and sing, and I like to clap my hands and, and, and lift his name up in the sanctuary of the people of God. But you know what? When I'm alone, I like to have a little instrumental music. I like classical music. I, I, I like to have something that kind of just settles me into the groove where I can be with the Lord. So my, my point is you don't want to give Satan your worship, man. You don't want to surrender your strength, your sound. You don't want to give him... Uh, what belongs to the Lord, you want to give it to God. And if you give that to God, your strength, your surrender, your sound, he'll give you wings. I mean, he will lift you up in moments when you don't feel like it. That's what worship is. It's like I come into his presence and he carries me. And Satan hates it. Which brings me to a really fascinating verse. It's right here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, the next verse. Here's a third level. Watch this. It says, the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered. That is a very interesting thought. Uh, and and I, I like how Luke says it. You know, the, the, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, pretty much record the same story. All three of them have this account of Jesus on the Mount of Temptation. But Luke gives us an extra detail. So Luke 4, verse 13, here's what it says. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Someone say opportune. Because what Satan's looking for is an opportunity. He is looking for an opportunity, a favorable moment. Uh, the next occasion that Satan came uh, was with Judas Iscariot. Satan entered him on the night of his betrayal. Satan's a sneaky foe. He's crafty. He's a roaring lion. And he's, going, he's seeking people that he can devour. And he can spot them. He, he knows where to find them. Let's talk about opportune moments. When do certain opportune moments arise in your life? Like moments like when you're weak. Think about Jesus. He had been fasting 40 days and 40 nights out there in the wilderness. And Satan came to him at that weak moment. In weak moments. Satan's looking for those things when you're alone. Now, I don't like traveling alone. I've had the chance to travel, you know, in some internationally. And, and I remember earlier in this year, you know, I was in Washington, D.C., and I was alone. I had to go in that one alone. I was there. But I remember I, I felt very weak and I was tempted by the devil to uh, crack open alcohol, which I don't drink. We don't drink no more. We got too much trouble with that. So for me, that's a temptation. But the Lord was with me. When you're alone in moments like that, you can be compromised. You got to be careful. He, he'll get you when you're tired, when you get burned out. And that's when your defenses get down. You know that being overtired might be one of the quickest ways for you to lose the anointing in your life. When you're overtired, it, it, you overlook things. You let things go. You, you start wearing your defenses down. And, and so that's why it's so important to keep yourself at pace. Where you're rested, you're walking with God, because you're not alone in that moment. You know what's interesting is how Satan 
He will often come and attack people in the middle of the night. I've experienced it. I've seen this. Kids get nightmares. I've had moments like, you know, where the, the, the devil might even have attacked me younger in, in nightmares. And the reason he does that is because he's a coward. He gets you in moments when your defenses are down. So, you know, your body is sleeping. Your, your, your soul man is shut up, but your spirit's always awake. So sometimes he comes in places like that because he knows how to poke you. He knows when you're alone. He knows when you're weak. And, and you know, at, at, this is interesting. He will attack you at vulnerable moments. It's, maybe that's like at the very beginning of something you started or the very end of something. That's the two times when angels came and ministered to Jesus. They came to him here at the beginning of his ministry. He just got done with this fast. He's about to go start his ministry and he's in a tough spot. The enemy came, but angels came to pick him up. That's a vulnerable spot. Satan could have stopped his whole ministry right there. And the next time they came was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right when he was about to go to the cross and he was looking for a way out. He said, take this from me if you can. But the angels came and ministered to him to help him fulfill the will of God. Two vulnerable places when you start and when you begin. That's a place of weakness. I'll tell you where he loves to get you. He, He loves... To find opportunities when you are offended. Anger becomes hatred. Hatred becomes a hard heart. And when your heart gets hard, guess what happens? You start getting blind about things. You're not seeing truth. You're just kind of like caught up in your own world. And what happens in that place is you start getting insensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He'll put something in your heart and, um, you know, you're, you're kind of like just hard-hearted about it. You don't want to hear it, don't want to listen to it. In fact, you don't even respond to the love of God in places like that. He, he might show up there with his love to try to reach in. And if your heart is hard, if you're offended, you won't even notice it. You stop caring. Scripture says your conscience gets seared. That comes from a hard heart. Now, I can't afford, I, 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 can't, I can't worship God effectively if my heart is in a bad spot. And I'm quoting the book of Matthew, what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 24. He said that when you go to the altar, you should leave your gift at the altar if you've got an offense against a brother. So I have had times where I might be offended at somebody, or I heard someone said something, and it's in my mind, and I'm trying to worship the Lord, but all I can think about is what someone said. And, and so it gets a distraction. And, and you know what I've had to do many times? I, I've had to go deal with it, all right? And, and, and listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go get yourself married. Your wife will tell you something, and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, the whole time during worship. <laughs> I found that for me to really, like Elizabeth and I, we have a rule. We don't really fight on Sunday mornings. We can fight Sunday after church. We got to just you to address. We'll talk about it then, but not before church. Because I want to go into the house of the Lord. <laughs> People, man, they can get in your way sometimes. Don't get offended. It'll get in the way of your worship. I'll tell you when, uh, when Satan loves to, uh, to find opportunities when you're discouraged. Proverbs 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, you, you get discouraged. Some of the most uh, meaningful moments of worship have come for me. When I feel disillusioned, when I feel discouraged, I feel discomforted, I don't feel like doing it. And I found that in that moment of weakness, if I will put the effort into it, the Lord will meet me in that place. Ooh, that's a wonderful thing. You know, I, I, a lot of times I may just come and I just worship the Lord. I may be just praying and and if I just stick with it, if I go out bed, I will leave the prayer closet better than I came into it. I, the worship will pick me up. If I bless the Lord, he'll be right there to meet me. I love that about him. Yeah. 
You know where Satan really is finding an opportunity right now? Is when you're deceived. Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. How many times does the scripture say that? It says don't be deceived about sin. It says people who live in sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived about people. Evil company will corrupt your good habits. You hang out with the wrong crowd. You don't walk with wise people. You won't be wise. That, there's a deception there. People sometimes overlook you know, sin and fault, faults on the people at their own detriment. Don't be deceived, Galatians says, about your harvest. It will come. You will have a harvest in life from the things you've sown, whether it's of the flesh or whether it's of the spirit. Don't be deceived by that. They will come. And by the way, Jesus said, don't be deceived about false prophets in the last days. Because he said, many of them will run around. In case you haven't noticed yet, we've got a lot of people walking around churches with some false teachings, and you better be wise as a serpent to be able to discern them. Satan is so good at deceiving people. And when you are in deception, it's hard to worship God. You know, Satan tempted Jesus three times on the Mount of uh, Temptation right here. And more than one scholars have commented how it lines up with what 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the wicked one. So Jesus is facing these things. He's facing you know, the, the lust of the flesh, uh, pleasures. That's what gets in the way of your worship. Things that make you feel good. We all like to feel good about things. But there is pleasure in sin for a season, and that season will always wear out. It will not end the way that you think it will. But people get so caught up today in the pursuit of pleasure, it's all that they're after. It's what they think about. It becomes consuming to them, and it steals your worship. Or maybe the lust of the eye, your desires. You know, the idolatry of happiness has ruined marriages, friendships, and people. Now, I recently discovered something. I put this in my office a statement I found. Happiness is wanting what I have, not having what I want. Happiness is wanting what I have, not having what I want. Here's what it tells me. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'll tell you where you really find a sweet spot in worship is when you find contentment. When, when you just say, Lord, you being around me, you and my family, man, that gives me a place where I can bless the Lord. But if I'm consumed by my pleasures, the things that I want, Man, it, it, my lack of gratitude, it gets hard to start saying, Lord, I'm after you. There's just something about being content that allows me to just bless him and love him. Yeah. And, and then there's the pride of life. That's called your ego. Hey, look at me. That's what Satan's on. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give you this. Ego is your enemy. That might be the root cause of your problems. Your ego will get in the way of your worship. Your ego is when your eyes are on you. I like what the psalmist said, Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. who made heaven and earth. See, when your eyes are on the Lord, that's where you get locked into. Now, you know, it's a funny thing. When I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping, this is at church. This is in my own devotional life. I'll have some of the greatest worship moments when I get locked in on him. And, I, and, and just for that little bit of time, I'm focused in on the Lord. But I do hate to tell you this. It doesn't last forever. Because we're fleshly beings, and you get distracted so easily. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit and not even know it. So for the moment that I have, the moment 
where I feel that sense of closeness with the Lord, where I'm really focused on him. In that moment, man, I cherish those times. Because I, I get that taste of like, oh man, how good does it feel to be in God's presence? And if you've ever, if you, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever experienced it, you have that, just that moment where like, man, I feel connected to the Lord. And I'd love to stay in that spot. But the world we live in and the distractions we have, sometimes it's not easy to do. I, 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 that, that's the fleshly battle we face. And this is why I sing loudly at church. This is why I check my ego at the door. This is why I can sing and worship God, whether it's a hymn or whether, you know, it's uh, music from the go-go 90s, <laughs> church music, old school 90s, or whether it's Hillsong and modern contemporary, I, 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 can, I can worship the Lord. Yeah. Now, I want to I do something some more. I want to worship the Lord. I, I'm sure that you've experienced some warfare around worship. I, I, I thought today was the perfect time. I just want to take a moment. And, and, and corporately, let's just worship the Lord together. I mean, what better way to practice this? And just, just kind of like, you know, focus on him. Yeah. Do, do you want to trouble the devil? Do you want to bother him? Worship the Lord. Don't, and not just here. You go home and do it. You got to lift up your hands and bless the Lord. When he starts harassing you with lies and thoughts, and he starts telling you you're not going to make it, he starts reminding you about failures in life, when he starts telling you about all the shortcomings you, and you know what you got to do? Lift up my hands and bless the Lord. Mm. His presence shows up in those places. It insulates your mind. Yeah. Or maybe you've been worshiping the, the wrong things. Maybe your focus has been on people, or it's been on pleasure. Maybe you want to be popular. Maybe it's been all your stuff, your possessions. I got to tell you something, it's not going to fill you. They're never going to leave you satisfied. Jesus is the only person who can satisfy your soul and fill you up. He is worthy of my worship. He's the one. Yeah. And I'm telling you something. Satan is looking for an opportunity to harass you. He's looking. He's seeking it. He's slewfoot. You know, I, people call the devil slewfoot. You know, I had to look that term up. You know what slewfoot means? It's a hockey term. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? It means that he's like a He's like sneaking up behind you and going to whack you with the back of a, the hockey stick. Slewful. That's what the devil does, man. He's sneaky like that. He breaks the rules. He gets fined <laughs> by the league. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to give him an opportunity. <laughs> I like Ephesians 4, verse 26. Don't give place to the devil. That, that's up to you. You do not have to give place to him. You got to harass him back. And, and I'm just trying to teach you in these, in these sessions. Like, the way you harass him back is with your worship. You bless him. So and, and I, I just feel God's presence. I felt it this morning in worship. I've asked him to come back up, and I've asked him to just lead us in a song. And, and for me, I'll tell you how I feel. You can stand up. I'd love it if you stand up. If you got to go, that's fine. That's fine. I want to just get on my knees. And I want to go before the Lord, because I'm going through things in my own life where I feel like if I could just give them over to the Lord, he will take some of the burdens, some of the pain, some of the failures, some of the frustrations that I feel. And I'm just grateful for them. I, I already just sensed it this, this morning. So if you would, Eric, just lead us in, in, in worship for a moment here uh, in a song. And, and we're going to just bless the Lord together. You can stand up. You can get on your knees. You can get on your face. Whatever you feel like you need to do this morning. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind 
Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I speak your name, Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is love. Shine through the shadows. The 
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because we know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Come on, church, say that. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over passage I was reading there, Matthew chapter 4, the enemy departed him, the devil left him, and the angels came and ministered to him. And I just had the sense that someone in here, maybe it's more than someone, but like I, I felt bondages and burdens lifting off your life as you worship the Lord. And that's more than just being here on Sunday morning. Some of my greatest worship times have come of my own private moments. I, I just want to encourage you, as you worship the Lord, I feel like the Lord's going to remove burdens and bondages out of your life. B- blockades in your mind, things that have hindered you, things that have harassed you, things that have gotten in your way. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe you feel like there's, there's been s- some battle in your life. If you will worship the Lord, the devil will leave. That's what happened with King Saul, remember that? I mean, David worshiped it drove King Saul nuts. When you worship the Lord, it brings you into deliverance and freedom. Let's just take a moment here. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for delivering. I thank you for setting free. I thank you for bondages being broken in people's minds. I thank you for freedom and healing and deliverance and truth. Lord, I just thank you for your presence that's here with us. Jesus, we love you. We bless you. I love you. I love the Lord. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Just take a moment here. If you if you need to be dismissed, you can. We just gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah, Lord, I, I just feel I just feel this presence. So I'm just gonna linger here for a moment. I'm gonna linger. Father, we just love you. I bless you. I thank you, Lord, that when we're weak, that's when you're strongest. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. I want to bless you. I thank you, Father, for deliverance. Thank you for setting captives free. Thank you in our mind there's freedom. There's no insecurities, no fear, no worries. I thank you, Father, for your All my words fall short. Jesus, we love you.
God's faithfulness and goodness, man, it meant something to me. It ministered to me because I'm ministering to him. Mm, I feel his presence. I love you, Lord. I love you. 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 I'm so grateful for the Lord. You can get this on your own. You know that? You can. It's great to be here in the house of God, dude, but you can get this on your own. You know that? You can be alone with the Lord in devotions and he can meet you in moments like this. That's what I want to encourage you with. I want to challenge you with something here as we close out. You know, uh, I have had friends I brought to church and I've seen them get touched when the presence of the Lord is there. So we, we are a house that hosts his presence. I love to be in his presence. I love moments like this. The presence of the Lord, it's, it's manifest in worship, man. It touches hearts. So that's something we're after. We're, we're looking for that. It, you invite people out to the house of the Lord here. They'll be loved. If you don't know the Lord, maybe you feel convicted right now. Maybe you think, I got to get right with him. I'd love to pray with you. Moments like this are so precious in your life, man. The presence of the Lord is so good. Amen. Do you all sense it? you feel his presence? Give these guys a great hand. What a beautiful time. Thank you, guys. We, we love you, man. We'll catch you all next Sunday. Next Sunday is Christmas, uh, the 24th, Christmas Eve. So we look forward to seeing you Sunday morning, Sunday night. We love you all very much. Amen. Amen. getting ready and then I jumped in the car had YouTube on and my car automatically switched it over and I tell you by the time I hit these doors I was already ready for worship Eric to Paul have yourself a merry little Christmas let your heart be light